0: Welcome to the LifeGate podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Well, this is different for me, because usually I'm right next door talking to kids 11 and under, and all of you are above 11. So, bear with me, but I'm really, really, really excited to be here. I actually love talking to adults, too. Kids are my forte. I mean, give me a group of kids. I can get up there with an object lesson, Play-Doh, anything, and we're good to go. Give me a room of adults, and Play-Doh doesn't always work. So... But I believe that I have a message from the Lord that he really wants you guys to hear. Now, when Pastor Chad asked me to speak a couple months ago, I looked at him and I go, in big church? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Really? And he goes, yeah. You don't have to do a kid's lesson. I was like, all right, well, here goes nothing. No, I was really excited and really honored because I love being with you guys. I love this church. I've been here for almost four years, and you guys are truly family to me. Now, when I asked him, I was like, series, anything? He goes, nope, you can preach on anything you want. And I was like, one hand, that's awesome. The other hand, oh man, I need direction. What am I going to talk about? I can talk about anything in the entire Bible. What do I do? Well, I started thinking, I was like, man, it's the last Sunday of the year. We're about ready to go into 2019. I could do something like really uplifting and pump you up and so then I started to reflect on our year, Jason and I, my husband's year, and I was like, man, 2018 mm, wasn't my favorite, you know? It, it wasn't great, so I'm not going to come up here and be like, yeah, 2018 was great, but 2019 will be better, because I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the Lord has in store for 2019. None of us do. So I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? So every Tuesday, we come in here as a staff, and we pray for an hour. And so one Tuesday, because it was starting to get closer to preaching time, and I was like, man, Lord, I really need something to preach about, or I'm just going to go pull out a lesson I've done for the kids before and hope it goes over well. So I was like, Lord, what am I doing? And I'm praying in here, and I'm like, God, you know, speak to me, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray about? And this is what the Lord told me, open your Bible. And I was like, oh, Thanks. Thanks, God. You know, God and I, I'm a very sarcastic person, so I feel like I have a very sarcastic relationship with God, too. I was like, You know me. I need some direction. And He just said, Open your Bible. Do you know how big the Bible is? Yes, yes. God knows how big He wrote it. But I was like, Okay, all right. So I opened my Bible. I'm still not really getting anything. And then I get on social media, you know, like we always do when we can't find anything in the Bible. And I'm asking God, I'm like, speak to me through Facebook. Well, guess what? He did. He did. And Christine Kane had posted a graphic with a scripture on it. It was Exodus 14, 14. The Lord shall fight for you. You only need to be still. And I was like, oh, that's good. Okay, maybe I can do something with that. Well, then I get on Instagram because, you know, I want confirmation. And look there. The verse was there. Not by Christine Kane, by someone else. And I was like, all right, maybe I can go. Maybe I can go with this. Well, it was still really wasn't coming to me. I'm like, I have this verse. I can't just get up there and say this verse over and over again. And so, at one morning, the Lord woke me up at 4.30 in the morning. Okay, I really like sleep. I really like sleep. But I learned in college that I, for some reason, get all my great ideas between the hours of 2 and 5 in the morning. I don't know why. That's when I wrote the best papers. That's when I wrote the best sermons for Bible school. And so... I was like, well, I have a choice. I can watch Hulu until I fall back to sleep. But then I started feeling convicted, and I was like, okay, I'll read my Bible. All right. So I get on my phone. Jason is sleeping away because I wasn't going to wake him up. I was like, all right, Lord, talk to me. And he started talking to me. I opened the Bible on my app, and I looked at that verse, and I started reading the passage that that verse was in, and immediately the Lord started giving me the words to say to you today. Now, a lot of things have been happening that the enemy just really doesn't want me to talk today. I mean, a lot of distractions, and last night I was sitting in my office, and I'm like, Lord, I'm a perfectionist, and I was like, this sermon needs to be perfect, and I texted a few friends, and one of those friends told me, like, take this in love, but you can't make it perfect. Only God can. And I was like, whew, all right, all right. So I'm here to talk to you today about trouble, about situations that you're caught in, situations that you might be going through in your workplace, with your job, with your friends, your family, maybe with yourself, your finances, whatever you've been going through, places where you've been stuck, and you feel like there's no, there's no end. Like the light at the end of the tunnel is not going to illuminate anytime soon, and you're dreading carrying this baggage into 2018 or 2019. You want to leave it this year, you don't want to take it into next year. Now, what I'm going to say today, I really hope you take to heart because I know it's what the Lord wants you to hear. He would not have woken me up at 4.30 in the morning to tell me this if he didn't, because believe me, he doesn't wake me up at 4.30 in the morning to do kids lessons. So I know that he wants you guys to hear this. Now this passage of scripture where Exodus 14:14 14, 14 is found is with the Israelites. Now the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves and they, you know, remember Moses saying going to Pharaoh saying let my people go. Pharaoh said no. God didn't like that. So God sent 10 plagues upon Egypt, rained down awful, awful misery. Finally, Pharaoh said, "Okay, bye. Take the Israelites. I don't want them. See you later." Well, here we are. This passage of Scripture is in Exodus 14, verses 5 through 14. Now, in this situation, it looked pretty hopeless. It looked like the Israelites had nowhere to go, okay? They were stuck between Pharaoh's army and the sea. Then on this side, there's some mountains, and on this side, there were some fortresses. They literally had nowhere to go. And after Pharaoh said, yeah, find Moses, take them, It occurred to him that he just let all of his slaves go. Pharaoh was not going to have anyone else to serve him. And so he was like, never mind, I changed my mind. All right, army, let's go get the Israelites. So here we have the Israelites. They're stuck. They have no place to go. What are they going to do? Well, to them it seemed hopeless, but God, God had a plan. So read this with me. Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 14. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with them. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all of the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. This is important, okay? Sometimes the Lord does things that we don't understand, but it's for his plan. It's for his glory. But the Israelites, they didn't react very well. He hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped near the sea, near Pi-Harath, opposite Baal Zephon. They did not teach me in Bible school how to pronounce those, so bear with me. As Pharaoh, approached the, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. How many of you cry out to the Lord when you're scared? Yep, I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So here we have the Israelites. Like I said, they're in an impossible situation. Impossible. Now, they'd been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Sure, they had their needs met, but they were under horrible circumstances. They weren't allowed to leave. They were slaves. Now, God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites. Now, I feel bad for Moses in this whole situation. This poor guy. If you read more about the Israelites in the Bible, they really mess up, like all the time. But guess what? We mess up, like all the time. And God still rescues us and saves us. Now, if we read later we do see that God rescues the Israelites. He takes them. He makes a way when there seems to be no way, like our song, Do It Again, said. He took them through a sea. I I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean, but it's hard for me to believe that an ocean split into two and allowed a group of hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people to walk across on dry land. That's just, I can't even comprehend it, but I'm not supposed to because that's God. So we have, we have the Israelites. The Lord worked in their impossible situation. He made their, possible, their impossible solution the possible solution. He made what seemed to be their death their life. And here, here we have him. Now, this is all great, and you're like, yay, yay for the Israelites. They got saved. Now, what about me? Well, how many of you are in a, an impossible situation right now? If you're human, you felt it. If you're human, you've been in it because we live in a sin-ridden, fallen world but we don't have to stay there forever there are some things that we can do that are hard <laughs> they're not easy believe me i'm writing this message and the lord is speaking to me through the whole thing i'm like oh man i'm preaching to myself on sunday this is great now there are some things we can do though but it's not going to be easy and we have to trust that the, that the lord knows what he's doing Because he does. But while we are in our situation, here's the first thing we need to do we need to let go of the past. Now, the past is a place where some of us like to take up real estate and live. That's not okay, all right? The Israelites were crying out to Moses. The Israelites are some of the whiniest people i've ever read about i've been teaching the kids all about the israelites for the past couple months and even my kids are like what is going on with them like moses just whack them with your staff and i'm like i know guys i know but guess what i'm pretty sure god sometimes wants to thump us in the head too and so we have the israelites they're whining they're whining to moses they said it would have been better if they were still in egypt where they were slaves what is going through their head and we see it in exodus 14:12. They're crying out to Moses say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They were blaming Moses for their trouble. They'd rather have been in captivity than in the freedom of Christ. They'd rather have stayed there as slaves than lived in the freedom that God could have given them. They were yelling at Moses, why did you do this to us? And Moses is like, listen, I'm just trying to do what the Lord wanted me to do. They're asking him, why? Why did you leave us here? The only thing that Israelites could remember in that moment is that they had food and shelter. That's it. They could remember the good things of Egypt. They didn't remember that they were slaves. They They didn't remember what God had done for them. They don't remember that God sent 10 plagues to Egypt to deliver them from Pharaoh's rule. They didn't believe that God could deliver them again. But if you read farther in the Bible, we see that God delivered the Israelites over and over and over and over again. God wanted to do something new in their lives. But here's the thing they had to allow that. If we don't allow God to do something new in our lives, guess what? He's not going to, because He's a polite God. All right? He's not going to do anything in our lives that we won't allow him to. He's not going to intrude. We have to open our hearts, surrender to him, and allow him to do that. And part of that is letting go of the past. It says in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this verse because a little while later, the Israelites are about to wander in the wilderness for about 40 years. But this verse, when I was in college, this verse kept coming to me over over and over and over and over and over again. And I was like, what is going on? I don't understand. But I realized when I was in college that I was still living in the past, that I was not walking in the freedom that God gave me as his child. I was still being held down by things that I had spoken over myself, negative things, And not realizing that if I just let go of all of that, I can walk in this freedom that is right there if I step and take it. No matter what situation I'm in, nothing is too powerful for our God because he reigns powerful over everything. So how do we let go of the past? In order to let go of the past, we need to move on from the past. We need to stop holding grudges. We need to forgive others. And guess what? We need to forgive ourselves. I also do a little bit of counseling on the side, and one of the things that my clients most deal with is they can't forgive themselves. They don't think they're worthy. They're disgusted with themselves because of the situation that they got themselves in. The Israelites were blaming Moses. How many times do we blame other people for the situation that we got ourselves in? We have to forgive ourselves. Jesus, sent, Jesus came down to the earth and died on the cross to forgive us. We're forgiven if we just take it. Now, we need to let go of the past. But the second thing, we also need to let go of control. Now, this one's a hard one for me. Do I have any fellow control freaks in here? Raise your hands. Jesus is watching. He knows. <laughs> I am a control freak. Okay, I, I think that's why God gave me curly hair. Because you can't control it, <laughs> all right? When I get up in the in the morning and look in the mirror and go to fix my hair and ask Jason, I'm like, ugh, why? And I'm pretty sure God just up there laughing at me, like, ha-ha. I am such a control freak. I like things done a certain way, so I just do them myself. And that gets me in trouble a lot. And I've learned to be a team player, Um and I have to step back and sometimes cringe. Like when we're decorating the Christmas tree, I want all the ornaments nice and neat. And people tell me when I have kids, I'm sorry, that's going to go out the window. But I'm, I'm a control freak. I'm a perfectionist, which if you Google that word, I'm pretty sure my picture will pop up. I mean, I'm a perfectionist. And that tends to make me a control freak. And so letting go of control, you know, I can come in here and I'm like, yes, Lord, I surrender it to you. Sort of. Like, and then walk back out those doors and be like, all right, let's do this on my own. I am such a control freak. Now, Moses told the Israelites, this verse, Exodus 14, 14, that the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Because at this point, the Israelites were freaking out. I mean, they were terrified of what was going to happen. At that point, they're like, we're just going to die. That's fine. We're just going to die. They were still trying to control the outcome. But Moses told him, you just need to be still because guess who is fighting for you? Who? The Lord. The Lord is fighting for you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the number one person I want in my corner fighting my battle. Because he can do anything. He is more powerful than anything and can handle any situation. Now, being still doesn't mean being dormant. Just because God tells you to be still doesn't mean he's telling you to stop. You still have to do what he's calling you to do. You still have to be obedient. He's like, all right, Cassie, be still. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait here until you're done. I'm just going to let you fight for me. No, we need to let him fight for, for us. But in our seasons of waiting in this situation, if we don't do anything about it, we're just going to become stagnant in our relationship with him. We still need to seek him wholeheartedly. We still need to be obedient. We still need to trust. Sometimes God just wants us to be still so we'll actually be quiet and listen to what he has to say to us. The Israelites, with their whining and their complaining, do you think they could hear God? No. It's like they had their hands over their ears and God is up there telling them, if you will just listen to me, I will fight for you. I have this taken care of. Sometimes God is yelling that at us, and we're, we're in this culture of busyness, and that we're independent, we can do things on our own, that we don't take the time to realize that God is there, and that God can fight our battles for us. Now, it reminds me of the story of Gideon. How many of you have heard the story of Gideon in here? All right. Gideon was just a regular, average Joe. And in the book of Judges, once again, the Israelites got themselves in trouble, and they were under Midianite rule, and they didn't like it. <laughs> and so they asked God, please save us. Help us. Please. We need you. Save us. So God chose a man named Gideon and to help deliver the people of Israel from the Midianite rule. Now, he tells Gideon in Judges 6, chapter 16, he said, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites together. Well, Gideon wanted to do this his own way, okay? We see that he actually tests the Lord. He's like, hey, do this thing, and then I know you're, you know, then I know you're serious. How many of us have ever done that? Well, Lord, um, if you want me to do this, then please give me this gigantic sign, you know? It's not good enough that you told me the first time. Just give me this gigantic sign so I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So Gideon had a hard time, you know, relinquishing that control. Now, Gideon had a huge army, But God kept taking away soldiers and taking away soldiers and taking away soldiers and taking away more soldiers until all that Gideon had left to fight the Midianites were 300 soldiers. It looked like an impossible situation. And Gideon reluctantly allowed God to take away those soldiers. He was like, "Uh uh-uh, if you want me to fight these people, I need some more help. He was trying to do things in his own power, in his own control. However, God was with them. God fought for them. Let's see. It looks, like a, it looks like an impossible situation. But Gideon took his 300 soldiers. He gave them each a trumpet and a glass jar with a torch in it. And they surrounded the Midianite camp, okay? He led them to the edge of the camp, and he told them all, on the count of three, I don't know if he did that, but you know, that's what I imagine in my head. He told them, when I tell you, blow your trumpets and break your glass jars and yell, For the Lord and for Gideon. Now, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so every time there's a battle in the Bible, that's what I think of. I'm like, yes, let's do this. So as soon as he said, go, maybe on the count of three, they all yelled, for the Lord and for Gideon. They broke their glass jars and they blew their trumpets. Guess what? When they did that, it caused the Midianites to turn against one another Some killed each other, and the rest fled. Did Gideon have to fight? No. Who fought for him? The Lord. He didn't even have to lay one finger on a Midianite. He wanted to do this in his control. It looked like an impossible situation. God gave him 300 men, 300, to do what he was supposed to do. But Gideon realized that in order to win, he had to surrender. He had to surrender his control. He didn't stay still. He obeyed. God fought for him, with him, and didn't make him fight. What we forget is the victory is already ours, because Jesus defeated death thousands and thousands of years ago. Because of that, the devil ain't got nothing on us, because we're children of God. We're children of the one true king, and he thinks he's going to win, but... Sorry about him. I read the Bible and I know the end. He's not. So we not only have to let go of the past, let go of control, we have to let go of our plans. This one's hard for me, too. Actually, all three of these are really hard for me, okay? So, but this one, I'm a planner. I was recently introduced to this thing called the happy planner. If you don't know what it is, go Google it. It'll change your life. The happy planner is a planner. It's it's so great. And you can buy sticker books for it. And you can put these stickers in your week, and you can plan it all out. And so every Sunday night, like tonight, I'm really looking forward to it. I sit down with my happy planner, all my stickers, and I plan out my week. Now, I'm a perfectionist. So if I put my sticker on crooked, guess what? It's coming off and going back on straight, all right? Ask Jason. If I put one on crooked, I'm like, oh, it's crooked. He's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not. It's coming off. And I plan out my week. And I also plan out my week in pen because for some reason I think if I do it in pen, it won't change. (laughs) Funny. Funny. But we have a crazy schedule. So I always want to make sure everything's planned out. So I have my happy planner. I have a calendar on our phone or on my phone that Jason and I share. So we we always know where each other's at, whatever's planned. And then I have a driver's calendar in our kitchen. Okay? Everything's planned out. All right? I really like it. But when things don't go as planned, it causes a little bit of anxiety and irritation. Just a little bit. I'm like, oh, just breathe. You can do it. It's no big deal. It happened. I don't do last minute very well. I, I don't. You throw something at me last minute and I'm like, no, I can't do this. It's like crippling to me. But guess what? The Lord likes to throw curveballs at me all the time, except they're not curveballs to him. They're curveballs to me. In my 25 years of life, I've learned that my plans for my life are rarely the plans that God has for my life. And that causes a little bit of, you know, discord between me and the Lord. And, but I've come to learn that his plans for my life are way better than any plans that I've ever had for my life. In high school, I'd planned to go to North Central University in Minnesota. I'd got scholarships. I applied. I was ready to go. SAGU was not even on my radar to come to Texas. I'm from Illinois. Minnesota was closer. It's freezing up there, so I don't know why. But it was closer. And then my mom's like, uh, you should probably go, you should probably go check out, you know, Southwestern. And I'm like, why? She goes, Because you, you just should. So we go, we go to Southwestern, we're checking it out, and I'm just comparing it to North Central the whole time. I'm like, well this school has this, and this school has this, and this school has this. So we left. Didn't really, didn't really, you know, didn't really think anything about it. I was at kids camp that summer as a counselor, and believe me, kids camp is just for adults as much as it's for kids, Do The Lord speaks to me almost more at kids camp than anything else. I was at kids camp in Illinois, and the speaker was from Texas. Comes over to me. I'm praying in the altar. You know, I'm not like crying or anything I'm just praying for other kids he comes over to me and he goes Lord I pray that Cassie would know that her future is secure in your hands and I was like okay well I got this feeling in my stomach and I was like oh man I think I'm supposed to go to Texas but all my friends are going to North Central I know people there I have no, I know no one in Texas like why it's hot what am I going to do so I call my mom because that's what I always do. And I'm like, Mom, this is what happens. And this is what the speaker said. And she, uh, she started crying on the phone. She goes, Cassie. She's like, I got down on my knees this morning. and I prayed for you. And I prayed, God, let Cassie know that her future is secure in your hands. Verbatim. And I was like, oh, I'm going to Texas, Mom. <laughs> all, right, oh, all right, I'm going. I applied to SAGU. Got accepted. Looking back, if I would have went to Minnesota... I would have never met my husband, not this one at least, and I really love him. I would, have not, I would have never met Jason, and I love him. We're a perfect match. I would have never become the children's pastor at LifeGate, and this place has turned my life around. You guys are family. My plans for myself were not near as good as what God had for me. The Lord told Moses in Exodus 14, 15 through 16, he said, why are you crying out to me? Sometimes I think the Lord gets a little irritated with us. Like, hello, do what i tell you to do. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. He said, listen, tell the Israelites to move on. Like, move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. The Israelites couldn't see God's plan. What looked like their death was what actually saved them. He was planning to lead them to the promised land when they were just planning to go back to Egypt with Pharaoh. Now, the Israelites had a lot more trouble, if you continue to read through the Old Testament. But God's plans for them were better than they could have ever imagined. But if they wouldn't have let go of their plans, it would have never happened. I mean, listen, if someone tells me, hey, we're going to go walk through the sea on dry ground, I'm not the first one to hop on that train and be like, all right, let's do it. I'm going to be, I'm a logical person too, so I'm going to sit there and think about it. I was like, "Mm, no. But the Israelites, they had to have faith. They had to obey, and they had to move towards the sea. They had to go in the direction that looked impossible, that looked like it was the end. That looked like their demise because little did they know that God was going to make that possible and it was going to be their way to a new life. And not only did God lead them to a new life, he destroyed what was coming after them. He destroyed it. We don't realize, but the Israelites forgot the God of miracles, the God who sent plagues to deliver them in Egypt. They forgot the deliverance that already happened for them, and they just sat there, wallowing in their pity, saying, "We're going to die. That's it. Those are our planes we're going to die." God led them to the sea. He led them there. Sometimes God leads us to things that we think are impossible, and how are these going to how is this going to turn out well for us? This we just don't know. God, whatever, we don't know what you're doing. I know I've been there. Let me just be really transparent with you. I know I've been there. But we have to trust that God knows what he's doing. Because Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's going to work it out. Because guess what? We are his children. He's our father. He loves his children. He doesn't want to harm us. The only reason bad happens in our world is because of what happened with Adam and Eve so long ago in the garden. We live in a sin, sin-ridden fallen world. Sometimes we just want to think, all right, Lord, tell me what's going on. Tell me so I can know right now. If God revealed all of his plans that he has for us to us right now, we would probably run in the opposite direction because he has not prepared us for those plans yet. We don't realize that in the difficult situation that we're in right now, God is molding us. You may be saying, Man, we're going in. Th- we're going through the fire right now. Well, guess what? That's where things are refined. God is not ready to send us to our future plans yet because guess what? We're not ready yet. We have to trust Him. This year, 2018 has been such. If you look at it back, I'm like, man, what a year! We went through stuff, Jason and I did that I did not want to go through in like my first full year of marriage. Believe me. But we look back at the end of 2018 and then, wow. That was such a year of growth. We are not the same people we were back in January a year ago. We, are not, we have learned to trust God more now than I ever have. And I was raised in church. I learned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when I was three years old. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll lead your path straight. We have to remember to trust him, to let go of our plans We need to let go of the past, and we need to let go of control. Don't let fear be your motivation. Don't let fear keep you in the past. Don't let yesterday's troubles steal today's joy. This is a day that the Lord has made. We should have joy and rejoice in it. So would you stand with me? I don't know what you guys are going through. I know that I've been stuck in a pretty difficult situation, and I know that you're human, and that you probably are too. And maybe you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe you're like, yeah, this sounds great. Yeah, letting go of my past, letting go of control, letting go of my plans, but how do I do that? Well, it starts with surrender. Saying, Lord, take it. And I mean Lord, take it, not, Lord, take this part of it, and I'll deal with everything else. No. Lord, take this from me. When we raise our hands, it's a sign of surrender. But did you notice when we raise our hands, we're in the most vulnerable position we, we can be in? Because when we raise our hands, nothing is protected. Nothing. And that's how God wants us to come to him. You may be wondering, well, how do I surrender? You give it. You give it to him. But some of you in here may not have even surrendered your life to Christ yet. And that's the first place to start.